Hey guys and ghouls, this episode is a bit longer than usual, so we've split it into two parts. Basically, we thought that the conversation was worth keeping. Uh, we're just getting started and always improving, so we really welcome your feedback. You can reach us at necromancerpodcast at gmail.com, on Facebook at necromancerpod, and Instagram at the Necromancer Podcast. The following episode has been split into two parts. This is part two. Well, what is there about Mary? What is that something about Mary? I mean, she's just a cool chick. I think that like so much of like what Mary seems just feels like pure fantasy. Yeah. Like ugh, I love guys with braces. <laughs> like I don't I mean maybe, but <laughs> but um but yeah, I I think I think that ultimately the thing that is the thing about Mary is that she's a fox. She foxy. Um, and is she's Cameron in... Diaz a fox though? I'm not. Oh, I'm not really controversy. like controversy. <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah, even in like movies like The Mask, mm-hmm. where she plays the fox, I'm like, I don't know. I just she's not my type. I guess. Maybe not, but okay, here's here's what I think that the appeal is, is that she is, um, like, she's, she's attractive, she's conventionally attractive, um, but she also seems nice and open and approachable, or at least as Mary, like, she mm-hmm. always has a big smile on her face, right. she's happy to see the people in her life, and she's, you know, like... Like, we talk about, like, the Hitchcock blonde, for example, where, like, the sort of stereotype of the blonde is a little different from how we know it today, where she's icy and, like, like a marble statue and, you know, remote and unapproachable, mm-hmm. whereas I think Mary is, like, the opposite of right. that, where she's sunny, she's warm, she yeah. doesn't wear a bra half the time. Yeah. She's just, you know, living fast and loose. Or, well, not really. But um, <laughs> but I think that that's ultimately what it comes down to is that she is approachable. Is that why everyone has a crush on her? I think so. And then right. she, you know... Because there's some, there's some women who, like, like the moment they show me just a little bit of interest, like a waitress or something. Like, here you go, hun. Like, ooh, she called me hun. <laughs> like, ooh. Um, yeah, there's there's definitely that thing of, like, if, like, um, uh, what I think is interesting is in this movie, he doesn't even have a crush on her right away. Right. It's- he, she's just, like, she's just the basic sort of hot girl. Right. But she's even- really yeah. nice and... Yeah, he, go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, like he didn't, like he, the movie opens with him at, well, we can just get into it. Right. Um, the movie opens with him asking out some other girl and that girl being like, I kind of already have plans, maybe. Yeah, I thought this was pretty funny from, from the start where she's like, 
if my plans change, yeah, I will, I will consider you. Right. Well, no, it, yeah, it's funny because she says, I heard a rumor that the guy I wanted to, that the guy I like was going to ask me out. So yeah. And he's like, he does that great. I'm mean, Ben Stiller's great in this movie. He does that great, like turn away and then turn back. And he's like, so is that a yes? Cause she says yes to him, but she says there's another guy involved. So he's like, what's going on? And she's like, I thought I made it perfectly clear. <laughs> if my plans fall through, maybe. <laughs> right. So yeah, that was great. Um, great little opening scene to start us off on. Mm-hmm. And um, I really liked the the actual opening, the claymation. Wait, the claymation? Yeah, the claymation of the song and all the birds and the bugs. Oh, and the, I didn't, I didn't realize that like they used clay. stop motion. To yeah, do it's like that. stop motion e. It's oh, similar esque. Yeah. I love the chorus or the mm-hmm. or the the singers i wish that more movies did stuff like this because i really like i was just gonna say there's something about mary i haven't seen this movie since it came out on like dvd or vhs it's more whimsical than you think it is yeah and this movie is not one of my go-to's uh i wouldn't say i remembered it very fondly i wouldn't even say now watching it that like it's the greatest movie i've ever seen just better than green book yeah well i can't say that because i haven't seen green book but yes (laughs) (laughs) but like I, i just this movie doesn't do it for me but there's so many moments in this movie where i found myself laughing or chuckling like this movie has a pretty high chuckle per per minute rate it's actually a really smart movie i or smarter than i think it's given credit for yeah as far as like what they try to do like um i had read in the past that the singers are inspired by um there's a movie with with uh, jane fonda called cat baloo have you ever seen it Mm -hmm. um it's like a western and there's um at the beginning of the movie kind of like there's something about mary you've got these singers that are like telling the tale of cat blue jane fonda's character and so like i don't know i watch a movie like there's something about mary and i can tell that the farley brothers are good you know Mm -hmm. cinema watchers like they know their history they i feel like clearly like screwballs and um have some inspiration from older movies but it's not like they're getting you know fond over like quentin tarantino or something Mm -hmm. like that but they're watching the same movies that's what i'll say is like they're watching the same movies they're just doing different things um but yeah i i love the singers i love the way that the the movie starts off and yeah and how yeah it starts out with like the there's something about mary song and then Mm -hmm. that song keeps coming in through the singers all Mm -hmm. throughout yeah i was gonna say why don't more rom-coms do this like once this became a thing once there's something about mary did it why didn't it like, why wouldn't every other movie just start doing that? It's so good in this movie. There are a couple. Are there? Um, 
There's I know a, Rango. Rango did it. Rango but that's does like it. that's a western. It's like a kids movie, yeah. I and was I mean, gonna westerns, say a western. Westerns do it. Capaloo right. did Cap-a-loo, it. Capaloo. So Rango. Rango um, yeah, Rango pulling that Capaloo. I'm trying to think of another rom com that did this. There's a movie. I I don't know what theme we would squeeze it in for, but there's a movie called Get Over It. Um, and in the beginning of the movie, after he gets dumped. Like an entire marching band mm. starts passing by him and playing "Love Will Keep Us Together," mm. and it's a really yeah. funny moment because he's like all like dour faced. I just got dumped, and then there's this like really bright, happy marching band just coming around him, singing this song. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to see that more in rom coms, and it surprises me. That these two bros are the ones that decide to do something, you know, right? So kind of fairy tale like. Yeah, I don't, it was just a great way to like spice up parts of the movie mm-hmm. and to to fit everything together sort of thematically. I thought it was great. Oh uh, yeah, I like also their outfits change where they are, like when the singers mm-hmm. are or when the players are in um what is it, Rhode Island, they're wearing winter clothes and right. then when they get to Miami they're wearing yeah. Miami clothes. Um, um Yeah, it was just nice a nice touch. Nice touch. So Ted Ben Stiller asks out that one girl. Oh, she no. says no. She says no. So then we get uh, we get the introduction to Mary who rides into school on her bike. And she's basically, it's just like um, just like your favorite rom-com. Uh, what is it called? Oh, 10 Things I Hate 10 About You. 10 Things I Hate About You. We're like, it's very Bianca-esque. Yeah, very Bianca-esque. And um, then we get Warren. Warren comes into this movie super quick. And he's, you know, have you seen my baseball? Have you seen my baseball? Have you seen my wiener? And is, uh, what, what did you think about Warren as a character? I, you know, I do. I does wonder, it age well? I wonder. I, in some ways, I think it doesn't. But I feel like they also maybe I'm too much of a defender <laughs> for mm-hmm. this movie. I feel like any times that. And Warren was used. He wasn't like like his his being mentally retarded wasn't like at like we weren't joking at his expense. Right. Like he moved some of the jokes, um, but it wasn't like ha ha look he's retarded. It was more like look at these people and how they react to Warren mm-hmm. and what does it say about them? Like the guy who told Warren to say, "Have right. you seen my wiener?" is clearly an asshole. Right. Or, Even the guy, yeah. like the boyfriend of that girl, is mm-hmm. like the most. Like you can clearly tell something's not right. right. And like he comes up, he's like, "Hey, don't touch my car." What'd you say to her? What'd you say? Like. Right. He's right. just totally he's just a young high school boy who wants to get into a fight. And he's right. just looking for any excuse to get into a fight. So yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah, none um, of the jokes tend to be at Warren's expense except like I do feel like the Warren is super strong mm-hmm. thing and like any of the jokes that resulted from um Warren like smashing someone that felt like maybe it's probably a little bit insensitive um 
but I don't know. Yeah, it just made me think of like of mice and men. And I don't know if that's right. like a stereotype yeah. for people who are mentally retarded, that they're somehow too strong. Um, yeah. But I don't know if that's necessarily a, a helpful stereotype. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel the same way. I feel like Warren is never really the butt of any jokes. So that it's like, I think it's, you know, for a movie that has like come on an ear uh-huh. it's you know pretty reserved when it comes to warren right right so yeah i thought that was pretty interesting um, and ultimately how warren is treated is what makes the difference right on whether or not mary would even consider someone as a romantic partner correct because ted steps in to stop the fight between douchebag and warren and then Mary comes in, and he's got like, oh, that's your brother? I didn't know. I didn't realize. So he steps off, and then uh, they walk home. Ted gives Warren, Warren, Ted, Warren gives Ted a piggyback ride, and then they <laughs> switch, which is very funny. Um, but then, yeah, then Mary asks Ted out. I liked that. Yeah, that was really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Woogie, Woogie's out of the picture. Um, but so Ted is in Ted, Ted brags to all his friends. They doubt him, but he goes to pick her up. Uh, in that brown suit. <laughs> great suit. Um, uh, and then we get Keith David as the stepfather. Uh, I, I wish there was more Keith David in this movie. Yeah. I totally forgot he was in this. Uh, but yeah, wow. I could have used more of him for sure. Oh, definitely. Um, I think that's one of my, my, my things about this movie is it has so many great side characters, but it kind of throws a lot of them away. It doesn't really utilize a lot of them. To oh, the yeah. No, it's it's crazy. Like, yeah, a, a few times, like, like side characters are like, I know you from somewhere. Right. <laughs> or like even just like Chris Elliott. Chris Elliott is fantastic. Oh, he's so he's great in general. But yeah, he's Cabin kind boy. of like, <laughs> he's kind of, you know, just meh in this movie not like he's meh in this movie but his character is meh right 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 um so yeah he goes to pick her up and um and he jokes around with her saying like oh mary already went to the prom with woogie four hours ago or whatever uh, <laughs> so we get we get another um 10 things i hate about you type reference you know the double prom date mix up Oh yeah. Uh, but then that's just a joke. Keith David's having a having a laugh at poor Ted's expense. Ted finds it hilarious, of course. Then we get the whole baseball thing where uh, he pulls the baseball out of Warren's ear. Warren goes nuts, smashes him around, um, and then. But I like that where he's like, "No, there was a baseball here. I swear!" <laughs> like the baseball <laughs> got lost in the thing, and then. I like uh, I like how he yells at Keith David, and Keith David's like, "Are you yelling at me?" He's like, "No, no, no." Um, <laughs> it's like the worst things that could happen if you go to your prom date's right. house. <laughs> but it's all so exaggerated that I don't like. I love Curb Your Enthusiasm mm-hmm. for some of those awkward type real life situations, but I just love Larry David in general. I think he's great. Oh yeah. But there's some there's so many movies where I see it where it's like, let's try to put this character through the ringer and really make every situation awkward. Did you ever see that movie with Sarah Jessica Parker? 
it was called like keeping up with the stones or just something with the the family stone yeah the family stone did you ever see that movie i i've seen parts of it it's... i don't remember all of it but it looked painful it is it's just a painful movie um i'm sure there's many more like it but for some reason that's the first one that came to my mind where um like they really just try to make that character go through lots of awkward situations but it's a different kind of torture porn yeah and i just i can't get into it um there was a an, an hbo series hello ladies with stephen merchant couldn't get into that either. Too, too awkward. Way too awkward. Too way too painful. But when Larry David gets into a situation, who boy, I love every single time that happens. Yeah, I feel like distance seems to be the key there because like we can be distant enough from Larry David to not feel like too much empathy for him. I think the great thing about Larry David uh, is that one, usually he brings it upon himself. Right. Like the the escalation, it, it doesn't start out with something awkward. It starts out with something normal that he makes awkward through some social convention of his own. Right, right. And then it escalates through a series of of mishaps. It escalates into like something way bigger than it needs to be. But what I love about Larry David is that fifty percent of the time, I am totally in Larry David's camp, where I'm like, yeah. You can't take too many samples at the ice cream store. You get like three samples and then you're done. <laughs> but then there's so many, like then 50% of the time I'm thinking, oh, Larry, <laughs> oh, you, you are you are not right in this scenario. Like, uh, So I think having that sort of affability of like half the time you're in his camp and half the time you're thinking, why would you do that? Um, That's a good point. Yeah. I think that's that's part of the the Larry David charm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I like that better. It's interesting to me like that I can I I don't care about the punishment that Ted takes in this movie, but right. I the what you described is how I felt about watching Meet the Parents. Like oh, I felt yeah. like in yeah. that movie, it's just like punishment after punishment after punishment. Like when he breaks that girl's nose. That yeah, lady's nose, and it's just like, and then everyone it, hates him. Yeah, and it like, and it keeps going and going and going without any kind of relief, and it feels just bad right. to watch. I don't know, and it's not funny to me. I think, yeah, like in this movie, he tries to do something nice by giving Warren a baseball. But then it goes horribly wrong. And then he's yelling at Keith David. And Keith David's like, are you yelling at me? And he's like really sheepish. And he's like, no, I just, I tried to, you know. I I don't know the difference between the two. Why this one is funny and Meet the Parents is painful. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, sometimes I think that it depends. Like, I mean, at least in Meet the parents the romantic plot is already resolved maybe right. that's why it's less um easy for me to to like it but then like with larry david and curb your enthusiasm all of that potential has been resolved as well so yeah. i don't know like it's a good question like when it's painful versus when it's funny but yeah it just keeps escalating from there right yeah. so um 
after after that whole thing happens. After that whole thing happens, he goes to the bathroom. And, uh, of course, Mary's strap gets broken in the process of the scuffle. So she has to go get her strap fixed. And Ted goes to the bathroom while Ted is peeing. He's looking out the window. And there's that... What's the name of that song? Um, Does it have a name? Just uh, Why do, do birds suddenly birds appear? Suddenly, um, I don't uh, know. God, I know that it's a Burt Bacharach song. Uh, close to you. Okay, so close to you starts playing, and he's looking at these birds, and it's a great, uh, it's a great use of the song, and oh, it's a yes. great use of these two doves, and <laughs> the doves fly away, and as he's peeing, uh, he gets a glimpse of Mary in her bra, and she's half naked, and she's getting changed, and they look and they see him peeing. And it's very awkward, and he, he gets flustered, and he zips up way too fast. And then he gets caught in the zipper. <laughs> uh, so 30 minutes later, he's still in there, doesn't know what to do. So Keith David goes in, and then the mom goes in, and then the policeman shows up. And the fireman. And then the fireman, Lenny Clark, as the fireman comes in. And uh, it's just like the whole town. I could have used even just like two or three more people coming in. Oh, yeah. It was I, a great gimmick. I just like even like that sort of fairy tale esque. Like you got to see this. Yeah. That fairy tale esque way the cop sh- just shows up. He literally sticks at his the head window. in the bathroom window. Yeah. And like, how is Mary's house divided up? Like it's got a courtyard in the middle of it. It's, Something like that. And so, like, how did the policeman even get to that window? I don't know. But it's very funny. Um, and then they even show it at one point, and it looks... Oh, God. It looks... Did that hurt you to see? Yes. <laughs> yes. And then it's funny. You know, you get the Franks and Beans thing. But it's very funny when it's like, how would you get the beans above the Frank? Uh, it's It's very awkward. But for some reason... I don't know. This movie just has that magical like way of making all the awkwardness just even funnier. Oh yeah, and like even just like the way that they made it look when yeah. they showed it was really funny. Um I think this is definitely what makes you know that you're watching uh, a guy's romantic comedy versus right. just a standard one where the where like Mary would have been the protagonist is just like so many dick jokes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but funny, like and it and it works. Um, yeah. Oh God, that scene. You know what's funny? Um, slight slight tangent but um i was looking up romantic comedy on tv tropes because when i think of a romantic comedy i think of a movie like this one where the guy is the protagonist you know like 40 year old virgin um and then there's more like physical humor Mm -hmm. and stuff like that but ultimately the plot is still romantic TV Tropes, for some reason, defines a romantic comedy as one where it has all the notes of a romantic comedy, but it's about bros getting together. So, like, they say that The Hangover 
is a bromantic comedy. I would I would definitely say The Hangover is a bromantic comedy cuz it's about the men gets the bromance of the men coming together. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I just like maybe a romantic comedy is still a romantic comedy even if a guy is the protagonist. I didn't think of right. it as like oh that the plot has to be about bros getting together and finding love as bros. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, hmm. Because yeah, when I think of like forty year old virgin, there, there, I'm surprised there isn't a term for like male leads versus female leads. Because they have different feels to them. Right, like, they do. Like, because this is really from Ted's perspective, it's a very different movie than what it would be from Mary's perspective. Yes. and But that's why, especially for the stalker genre, like, mm-hmm. that's why people getting stalked isn't funny. Right. It has to be Ted. Yeah. It has to be. Huh. Yeah. Um, so then, oh, probably one of the greatest cuts... <laughs> yeah. In in movie history is the cut from pulling the zipper to we've got a bleeder. That is just <laughs> it's so like we don't need the aftermath of the pulling. We don't need the scream. We don't like uh, just the 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 one, two, three, we got a bleeder. Like ah. Oh, I thought that was a it's great. It's simple cut. and it's great. It's um yeah. Just what a what a cut. I also like that they had Mary holding the towel over him <laughs> as he was getting into the ambulance. And then they actually drop the stretcher right. before yeah, yeah, they yeah. get him in. Oh, yeah. That was that was some great, great physical comedy. Uh, but then, I mean, this whole thing is just part of Ted's awkward teenage years. And we cut to adult Ted in therapy hashing it out talking about mary with the dad from stepbrothers yes um also richard jenkins great, richard jenkins also an amazing cameo yeah i don't know at this point if that was a cameo or if that was just his you know what i mean oh just his character he, he was yeah. just i don't know when did there something about mary come out 90 i think it's like 1999 99 something like that um I think at that point, Richard Jenkins might have just been a no-name bit character actor. Oh, man. They should have known. They should have known right. then because he's, even in just like this part, even he's in, so good. Yeah, just the, like every little mannerism he has. Um, but then, yeah, so the therapist comes in. Um, Ted's, he's got his back to, Ted's got his back to the therapist. So the therapist comes in from eating his lunch. And uh, I love how he just like picks up on the last thing that that Ted says, which is, you know, I, I got so hyperventilated that I had to pull over to a rest stop. And he's like, oh, you know, those are gay hotspots. And uh, <laughs> which, of course, comes back later. But um, yeah, so he's in therapy talking about Mary. And then he's talking to Dom, Chris Elliott, about mm-hmm. Mary and um they're, and then they're at the house, and uh, I love the baking cookies part. Oh, my like, God. What a douchebag. He's, he's such a douche to his wife, but she's totally into it. I you mean, know what I, I mean? guess so. <laughs> she's like, she never rolls her eyes or scoffs at him. She's never seems to, she's totally into it. 
which I think is such a great reversal or, you know, like, I don't know. They make the married life seem like, from the guy's perspective, the greatest thing in the world. Well, yeah, I think that we're meant to think that, like, as Ted is seeing this, right. he's like, oh, wow, they have a nice marriage. Yeah. I don't know. I watched that and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> from a normal human being perspective, clearly the relationship they have is messed up. Yes. <laughs> but from this fairy tale esque relationship. The cookies are coming. Right. <laughs> Here's your cigar, honey. Do you need anything? Yeah, go bake some cookies. Okay, I'll get right on it. Um, it's just, it's so, I don't know. It's so over the top, but it's also like in most rom-coms like this, the guy who's married is miserable. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? mean, It it depends. Sometimes they are, um, sometimes they're not, um, in uh, the movie Return to Me, Minnie Driver has a couple of married friends and they are like a good couple hmm. or like in, uh, but it, okay, but that's Minnie Driver. So are her married friends women who are married? No, no. There are guys who are married. Well, no, her, she's friends with a couple, like a guy uh, and a, the couple. That count. Yeah, I guess that doesn't count. Um, cause couples... Couples are usually happy. Yeah, couples are, but, but married men. In... But married, right? Hmm. Married men are usually miserable. I don't know. I think it depends on the movie. Could be. But but I feel like that's kind of the standard go-to. But we also find out that uh, Dom is miserable, regardless. I don't think he's miserable. I think he's just compelled by his clear. Psychosis. <laughs> um, so yeah, but Dom suggests that he get Pat Healy, the the firm's private investigator, to to go hunt down Mary. Um, and then we get the the great Pat introduction scene. Oh my god! Which I mean, this is just one of those things where, like, again, I mean, this movie, I probably won't watch it regularly. Of course not. But. There's something about like the little touches of Pat standing up for the first time and his pants are unzipped and he's got to tuck himself in, zip up, belt up, double check the door, lock the door and then like, you know, say like, why do you want me to find this girl? Um, Something about just the way his pants are undone is like... So perfectly sleazy. sleazy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just feel like if I were Matt Dillon, I would have had the time of my life playing this role. Great role for him. So good. He's perfect. He's pitch perfect in it. Oh, he's he's he might be the funniest person in this movie, actually. For sure. Uh and yeah, even the way that they do his office with like the pinup models, and he's just so sleazy. He asks at like a bar where they clearly just do beer for a whiskey sour. Uh and uh, (laughs) Yeah. Like I work as a right now my part-time gig is an overnight security guard. So I have all night just to myself mm-hmm. where I sit in an office and I have no one in the same building as me and I can do whatever I want. I never once have thought, 
you know, I could probably undo my belt, undo my pants, probably take it easy, you know, let a load off or whatever. Like, this guy's in a crowded office building. <laughs> I mean, maybe not crowded, but uh, like this guy's in a regular office building with people all around. And the first thing he does when he gets into that office is whoosh, take make himself off. comfortable. <laughs> it's it's I perfect. Mean, I've definitely unzipped my pants after a very full lunch. Um, right. but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever taken them off at right. the office. <laughs> um, but then, so, uh, we, the only thing we know about Mary is that she's in Miami. That's it. So Pat has to go down to Miami and we meet up with Sully, who is not an alcoholic anymore, not doing drugs anymore, and is Jeffrey Tambor. Yeah, I was about to ask. It's, um, from, um... Arrested Development, right? Yes. Yes. No, I I thought his bit part was also really good. So great. So great. Even just, uh, he's a great actor in general, oh, yeah. right? Um, I'm also thinking of uh, the Larry Sanders show. Have you I ever haven't seen, seen it. Oh, no. man, that's a great one. Um, just his mannerisms and just, you know, like, does the dog bite? A little. Get in. <laughs> uh, he's got such great line delivery in this movie, but... Um, uh sully sully sets uh healy up with mary's information so uh sully or healy decides to do a little bit of stalking himself tracks down mary stalks her learns all about her it just takes one look and he's instantly in love of course Mm -hmm. well maybe not in love but infatuated Right, yeah. I mean, he watches her at the driving range. Right. He sees her dropping off food for the homeless. Yep. Um, doing all sorts of great things. Uh, she has a conversation with her friends, one of which is Sarah Silverman. That's right. And they talk about the men that they'd like, and he starts spying on her and learning all about the kind of man that she would like. Um, Someone who's been to Nepal, apparently. Yes. <laughs> Who is an architect has been to Nepal, and loves sports. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I mean, it is kind of funny how clearly made up of a character she is. Right. And I mean, <laughs> there's not to say that there's not women who who like sports. There's right. actually a lot of women who like sports. Um, I myself, I'm a really big fan of combat sports i like mixed martial arts and stuff like that but um yeah no i i do feel like like if we're out there we like different sports um but like the completeness of mary's fantasy interest she likes sports she likes boys with braces yeah she i mean pretty much everything other than like wanting an architect who has time to travel uh, it sounds like something a man would want a woman to be right. into rather than a woman but like yeah definitely i think her wanting a guy who could be around sure that that rings true i don't know how much of that is like cameron diaz bringing some real uh, female energy to the character or just the way that they wrote it. But yeah, a lot of the stuff that Mary likes does feel very much like a fantasy. Yeah. Um, and then we also meet Magda, who is her roommate of sorts. Right. 
Uh, Magda, of course, is kind of a character herself, very tan, overly tan, you might say. Uh, very much in love with her dog. What was the dog's name? Puffy. Puffy, yes. Puffy. Um, so where are we? A lot we? happens to Puffy. Yes. Uh, oh, right. So then we go back to Boston and Healy. Uh, was this before or after Magda flashes him? Oh, well, this is after. I. What did you think of that switcheroo? <laughs> that was shocking, <laughs> of course. Um, I mean, on at one point you almost see Cameron Diaz take off her shirt. So of course he switches binoculars to get the extra big ones out to get the extra close look at those bad boys, bad girls, I should say. And uh, yeah, then when you cut back to that really awkward, half tan, wrinkly. I mean, it was so I, obviously was, fake. Right, very fake. I, I don't know. I like that they, they teased the fan service right. and then they the gave you switch. something else and they're like, fuck you, this is a comedy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like a gross out humor type thing. So, of That's course, true, yeah. you know. I, it's ageist, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we get some, we get a, a, a sneak peek at the Franks and Beans. We get the whole... The whole shebang with the full, well, not full frontal nudity, but the half frontal nudity with mm-hmm. Magda. Uh, but then Healy goes back to Ted and gives Ted the full rundown on Mary, which, of course, is that she's got four kids from three different fathers. She's moving to Japan. That's the good news. Get, she's right. not married. Yeah, the good news. She's not. She's never been married. Um, so, yeah, and she's in a wheelchair. So he basically is is gaslighting Ted to think that Mary is not worth pursuing so that he can move down to Miami and pursue her himself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, of course, like the... I like the way that he blows Ted off. Like, on the one hand, when he meets up with Ted, he's very he's overly friendly. Right. Because he's giving him all the wrong information. But then the very next scene... He 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 makes zero qualms about blowing Ted off. Oh well, Ted, and just being a total sleazeball to him. Ted actually, I think again, like we're supposed to see this as like evidence that like Ted's the one that really loves Mary because right. he's heard all this stuff about her, and he still wants to see her. Mm-hmm. He still wants to check that she's okay. Yeah, and um, then that's when Pat's like, "Oh no, <laughs> no, don't do it." Um. Either way, uh, we go to lunch with Dom, and um, uh, Healy moves down to Miami, mm-hmm. and then he starts to put his plan into action, which is he goes with golfing. All his stalking info. Yes, he goes golfing uh, right next to her at the driving range, and subtly drops that he's been to Nepal because of all those damn Nepalese coins. All I've got are these Nepalese coins. It's so so funny. It's so awful. It's so funny. And then, of course, all the blueprints fall out of his car. Uh, He already knows Mary's name, but that's, of course, because it's on her golf bag. Uh, It's just, it's very funny. But then, uh, it's, it's so funny how, like, on the one hand, he has all this information to be the dream man for Mary. And he's doing his best 
to apply that information. But then he drops things like, yeah, I work with retards and they keep them in cages. Oh my God. The moment he says I work with retards, I couldn't help but laugh out loud because it's like, buddy, you are so off base here. I feel like that's, again, like the important difference. Right. If the movie were making fun of people who were mentally retarded versus making fun of this clear asshole (laughs) for saying something so stupid. Yeah, it's very funny. Um, And then later, uh, well, I guess we can just get into it now. But um, later when um, he goes to meet up with uh, Mary at her house... And he overhears about the dog and he gives the dog the sleeping pills um, or the Xanax or whatever. Yeah. He, um, you know, he's like on the one in in one line, he says, you know, my my Nepalese name was I don't know what it is, but it's like Kintanti. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And he's like, it's you know, he's like, my name is Kintanti, which means he who loves animals and is loved back by those animals. Hey, you have any brewskis? <laughs> like it's so funny like um oh what was the term that she uses for him i can't a mooch or, or something yeah something she like calls that. him like a mooch oh yeah like she knows that he's awful <laughs> like and it's great he's <laughs> like oh he's not even that attractive right but it's the inside that counts yeah <laughs> it is the inside that counts i think that's the other thing again where like mary's the perfect woman because She's hot, but she doesn't care if you're hot. Yeah. Um, So then they go on a series of dates. Um, I like that music cue, too. The, is she really going out with him? Yeah. (laughs) I thought that was great. Um, It's uh, it's really good. And then at the end of the date, he asks... It's almost like he's got this weird quirk... And he's ashamed of it, but he asks to touch her bosoms, and she's totally into it. She lets him do it. Like, I could not imagine any world where where this would be okay. I mean, he did ask. He did ask, but it's so weird how, like, how teen boy, like, they're adults. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But he doesn't go in for a kiss. He goes in for the feel-up. For the boob grab. Yeah. Yeah. So weird, but so funny. Um, he, he almost thinks of it as like a vice, the way he approaches it, how he asks her. Like, he's ashamed of it. <laughs> it's, it's just funny. Like, again, Matt Dillon hamming up the role, having a great time with it. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Ted. Ted has found out that Mary is a total fox, and um, he decides he's going to go down to Miami and meet up with her. I like that he he gets into Dom's presentation to yeah. tell him that he's like, screw all of this. You need to know. And but it's also funny how he's like trying to give them this rundown of like what would happen if this horrific crash happened and the mm-hmm. the you know it's just like great little touches like that make this movie where you know the person's like, well, what happens if the families don't want to pursue a class action? That's what I've been trying to explain to you this whole time. It's <laughs> it's so funny. Um, but then we get a, another great cameo, Harlan Williams as the hitchhiker. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I loved the, um, the six-minute abs joke. Yeah, <laughs> seven-minute abs 
um, is his pitch because if you're going to see a seven minute abs versus six minutes or eight minute abs, which are you going to pick? Going to go with the seven minutes, right? Right. Unless, of course, someone comes up with six minute abs, which I love Harlan Williams' little like twinge (laughs) that he has. No. (laughs) Like it doesn't compute. (laughs) But he also like he has a great. He has a great reason why six-minute abs should never be a thing, but he's totally into his own seven-minute abs. Oh, and also, <laughs> if you're not happy with seven minutes, you get a yeah, bonus minute. They'll mail you the extra minute. <laughs> um, but he's got this red duffel bag in the seat with him, which is yes. way too large to be anything convenient. It's very body-shaped. Right. Um, so then... Uh, Ted just can't take any more of it. He's got to go pull off, go to the bathroom, uh, take a break from this guy. And, of course, the moment he steps out of the car and into the field to take a piss, he trips over someone, uh, and the police lights turn on, and it's a raid, and it's a gay orgy, you could say? I guess so, at the rest stop. I mean, it does feel a little bit homophobic, the way that this movie stages the the gay jokes, but... Is it? Like, how many other gay jokes... I mean, it's specifically, I guess, about the rest stop, and I think it's implied, too, that Richard Jenkins knows about the rest stop because he goes there. Could be, could be. Um, But there's just something so funny about... And, like, he's right at face level with someone's crotch, right, too, right, when the lights right. come up. Uh, the misunderstandings in this movie are perfectly yes. placed. But it's just so funny, just the visual of the lights coming on and then, like, all these men running away, like cockroaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I, I thought that was great. Um, did, did you notice that the cop... The one of the cops that interrogated him, I don't know what this actor's name is, but he's the bad guy oh. from Kindergarten Cop. Oh, I didn't write down the actor's name. But yes, I wrote down Crisp from Kindergarten Cop. I wrote that down <laughs> in my notes. Yeah, totally. The moment I saw him, because I've seen, I'm a huge Arnold fan. Right, right. And Kindergarten Cop is a great movie. I haven't written it. Is. In. Uh, it's a fantastic movie. And uh, yeah, Crisp from Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, he was there playing yeah. the cop this time. Playing the overheated bad cop. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and that was a good misunderstanding bit, too. Yes. Was it like, how many times have you done this? Yeah, so the cops have found out that the red duffel bag in the car, in the passenger seat, is a dead body. Because, of course, the moment all the cops show up, Harlan Williams runs away. Right. They take Ted in. Ted thinks he's being arrested for one of two things, which is one, being at the gay orgy, and two, picking up a hitchhiker. And the cops are interrogating him over the dead body in his car, which he has no idea about. So, of course, there's that great little thing of like, oh, yes, I did it, of course. You know, I did it because I was bored. All these great jokes about the misunderstanding there. But uh, so Ted gets thrown into jail. Mary has a little scene with Tucker where, uh, where Healy overhears her talking about how much she loves big pearly whites. And it's, I liked that scene so much because, like, he's, like, got, like, right. the sticks in his face. Like, he's, like, a walrus or right. something. And they're literally just joking around. But Pat is listening has no so idea that closely. They're, right. Yeah. Yeah, he has no idea that what she's saying is tongue-in-cheek. But he, yeah, so he takes it seriously. God, 
Those Great veneers. <laughs> literally just just the biggest veneers. Like it's bigger so great. than Gary Busey's. Yeah. It's uh they're I'm surprised they didn't do some kind of like black light joke oh, in God. there at some point. I, I like that he also only did it on his top teeth. Right. So at, on top, they just look like cartoons. And right. then on the bottom, they're it's tiny. <laughs> um, what did you think about uh, Tucker's uh, disability and how they how he drops his keys and has to waggle down? Well, I think it's it's really funniest knowing that it's not a real disability right. that this guy is faking this disability to make yeah. this woman feel sorry for him. That's ultimate like I think that if you are savvy enough to assume from the get that Tucker is not really being honest, then that scene is really funny. Um, I had no idea. Oh, you you didn't remember? I did not remember. Even the first time I saw it, I probably had no idea. Mm-hmm. I was just totally into Tucker being Tucker. <laughs> um, What's funny is that actor is actually British, so his real speaking voice is... Right. I don't think it's like as like posh as he's trying to sound as Tucker, right. but the actual actor is like a British comedian. And... The moment I saw him, just like Chris from Kindergarten Cop, that guy was in Fifth Element. Oh, he was in Fifth Element? Yeah, he plays like the guy who who's the second in charge. And remember then the captain dies and he's in charge. And Bruce Willis comes up to him and he's like, you know, mind if I take over negotiations? And boom, shoots the guy in the head. He's like, anyone else want to negotiate? I love Fifth Element. <laughs> Oh, the fifth element's great. <laughs> I've seen that. I, I whenever people ask me like, "What's your favorite movie?" and stuff, I could name a hundred movies. But if anyone ever asked me, "What's the movie you've seen the most?" Und- like no joke, at least triple digits. Fifth Element. Oh wow! Really? Uh, I've seen that movie like once a month. I'll watch that movie. That movie has good original music in it too. Yeah. Uh, oh, speaking, of, we didn't talk about the music for It Follows, but I really liked it. Also has both of these movies, Mary and It Follows, have great original Mm -hmm. scores and music. Like, I wish that more movies, maybe it's just a budget thing. Right. But I like a movie that has a really fun score a lot more than one with a ton of needle drops where it's just like, like, that's one of the things where like the Marvel movies have a lot of really nostalgic needle drops Mm -hmm. and then really generic um orchestral scores that are just like triumphant hero music i don't know i like a movie that has a really unique and original score that like makes you remember that movie really well i don't know (laughs) the problem with with big budget hollywood movies is that when they make the movie and they edit the movie they edit it with tent music and usually the music that they use is music from other movies. Right. And then they get a composer to come in and redo the music. But when they show the movie to the composer, most of the time probably what happens is they say, hey, this tent music we have in here, we want it to sound like that because that's how we cut the movie. And that's the music that we have in mind. So the reason why a lot of movies sound the same is that 
yeah, they use this temp music and then they get the composer just to make music that sounds like it. So what most movies, the score is kind of an imitation of other scores. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder like when they started doing things that way because um, I got really interested in the um, composer for a lot of Fellini movies. His name is Nino Rota. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just looking into their relationship. And I guess it's different if you have like an auteur director and right. he's like buddy buddies with a particular composer. But like literally what he would do is send Nino the script of his movie and then Nino would just start like jazzing and right. coming up with themes for it. And then, like, present those to Fellini. But I guess when you're, like, a madcap Italian, too, you get to do things a little bit different. I was going to say my version of that would be uh, Sergio Leone in Ennio Morricone. Oh, yeah? Did they do kind of a similar thing where Um, he'd, like, tell Ennio kind of what his idea was and Ennio would just be like, I got it. I don't know how exactly. I've never like researched exactly how they work together. I'm sure there's information out there that I could find, mm-hmm. um, and probably in like I am buried in IMDb trivia. There's information that I've probably read about it. Right. But just like the good, the bad, the ugly, and how the score fits in with the visuals, and how everything's kind of cut together, and you know, like the music informs the cinema, oh, the yeah. cinematic visuals. And vice versa. Whereas with like your standard Hollywood movie, it feels very much like the music comes second. Yeah, no, I think that's that's true. I feel like it. I, it's just like at different periods right. in, in film, music has been more or less important. Because like I think um, even like in the 40s too... Um, they didn't really start getting into using these like heavy orchestral scores until like a lot of refugees from European cinema hmm. started coming in and like bringing that expertise. But yeah, I don't know. I'd like to see a lot more scores right. in in movies. But um, back to to Mary. Back to Mary. So. We've got the veneers now. Yes. Um, and um, what happens after that? It's um, isn't that like the next scene is um, she's like on like Tucker tells Mary that Pat is like a like not who he says he is, and then Pat has to like turn it around. Yeah. So in that scene, uh, Tucker, who is an architect at this point. Uh, he says, you know, I've looked into, I've looked into Healy and he is not who he says he's, he never got his, his architecture degree from Harvard. And, you know, I looked all over and I couldn't find him, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that of course throws a wrench in Healy's plans. And the next scene is, uh, Ted getting out of jail. Right. Um, Uh, that might be the one bit of homophobic, it's like like all the gay men scattering is feels like uh, it feels funny, mm-hmm. but the 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 gay spooning yeah, in the jail that felt homophobic. That, that yeah. does maybe feel a little bit. Um, that one maybe hasn't aged as well. But even then, it feels. I don't know. There's he didn't seem like he was raped. Just right. cuddled. Cuddled. Yeah. 
um, aggressively cuddle, maybe even. Um, yeah, there's something about it, just the way the guy's like, oh man. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, there's something kind of... It's cheeky. Yeah, nothing about this movie feels overly offensive because it always just feels light and charming. This whole movie just yes. feels charming, even when it... Oh, right. So we get the series of... Um, we get more dates from Ted and Mary. And I love when Ted... Or, or not Ted and Mary. Uh, Healy and Mary. Mm-hmm. And Healy goes to drop her off at um, at work, I guess. And um, I love when he starts making out with her. Oh, God. And, like, really using an aggressive amount of tongue. Too. Yeah. And... Um, uh, the way she's like, hey, how's my stomach taste? And he like mm. repeats the line, like, how's my stomach taste, she says. Like, <laughs> he's such a sleazeball. Oh, my God. Um, but then uh, we get Frank's the Franks and Beans. Mm-hmm. Franks and Beans comes back. Yeah, Mary really, Mary's like, Mary and her family, even like Keith David, they really love ragging on Ted. <laughs> like, you know, she's like, uh, hey, we should catch up sometime. She's like, didn't we just do that? And he's, like, left in that awkward spot. Well, um, yeah, but I think, again, that's meant to be part of what makes Mary so cute. Is so that affable. she's like, oh, I'm just fucking with yeah. you. Ha ha. <laughs> it is. But, yeah, and Ted is such the sort of sap that, mm-hmm. like, he makes a good mark. He makes an easy mark. Oh, yeah. Um, and she just blows off Pat to to go date Ted. She does not care. I like that Mary's like, mm, yeah, I'm done. Whatever. Yeah. It is funny how quickly she turns on him, even before Tucker. I mean, this is where we get into the thing where um, Tucker calls Mary and says, like, hey, he's a killer, <laughs> which um, is like... I didn't know if he was being serious at first or not. Like, I thought maybe Healy was legitimately a killer for a second. Because he's so sleazy. I wouldn't be surprised. Right. If that's part of his character background. (laughs) Um, And then we get, of course, the famous cleaning the pipes before the date scene. Oh, gosh. The one for which all... like I feel like when this movie came out, that scene was all anyone could talk about in reference to this movie. Oh, yeah. And it would always be like a shot of the movie and specifically the part with her hair sticking up. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) That's probably like the most memeable, gifable part of this movie (laughs) before memes and and gifing was a thing. So is this a thing? Is this like a guy thing that's known in, in Guylandia? As I'm going to call it temporarily. Um, I wouldn't. I mean, I mean, you've been with guys. So I, I lived the, with two guys in college, so I I feel like so there's definitely like the '90s sitcom or '90s comedian like sort of approach to right or not approach, but there's definitely that that jokiness about like how men are different before and after. Mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. and it is like even physiologically a thing where like after you feel more tired you feel more relaxed right but i never like i don't think as a teenager i ever would have thought to do this as like 
a strategic maneuver. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? So like, I don't think that that's a thing per se. Do you think people thought about this before this movie came out? I mean, they had to have for it to get in the script. But... Right. Someone had to have thought about it at some point. I don't know if the Fairley brothers thought of it themselves or if it was something like from one of their friends who thought it or it. But I never was like that guy who was like chasing chicks all the time. You know what I mean? I was more quiet and shy. Waiting I was for more them nerdy. to come to you. Yeah, I was waiting for Annie at the bus stop to come to me from Halloween. Uh, <laughs> so I, like, I don't know. I was never into, like, even, like, kissing and telling. Like, I was never eager to share my stories with women to other guys. And I never really cared to hear about their mm-hmm. stories or sexual conquests. And I didn't have friends who thought like that. Right, right. So I like that whole uh, Dom persona of like, like, oh yeah, you gotta flog the dolphin, you gotta choke the chicken, you gotta. He talks about it in the grossest possible right. terms, and it feels this movie feels almost like a predecessor to, um, what's his name? You 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 said forty year old virgin. Um, Judd Judd Apatow. Apatow. It feels like the predecessor to Lionel-Rama type comedy. Oh, Where it's oh, like, yeah. how many different... I even feel like... in Lionel-Rama, my... that's a perfect way to describe that phenomenon. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about, mm-hmm. where it's just like, take, I think take, take, take. It's, um, it's, I think that's what they call it in the special features on the DVDs of those where they just have all the different versions of all the lines mm-hmm. that they could just replace in there. So if you need a line like, Oh, masturbating, uh, choking the chicken. Um, like a lot of times, yeah, they'll just have different versions of that. Mm-hmm. And it's just over, you know, you know how I know you're gay or you know how I know you're gay, that kind of stuff over and over and over. I mean, from a, from a writing perspective, it makes sense because if you're trying to be a comedy writer, it's almost always not the first thing you think of right. that's the funniest. It's like the fifth or the sixth thing mm-hmm. that you think of that's going to be the funniest take or the funniest line. So the idea that comedy writers are keeping like lists of different line deliveries right. or like, um, I think... Uh, you watch The Good Place, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the writers for The Good Place, I think it's Megan Amram, if I remember correctly. I follow her on Instagram, and she'll have like lists for the shop names in The Good Place. Right. So yeah, I definitely I think that's like part of like comedy writing, but like the like the constant like throwing out of lines. I yeah. think it kind of gets a little exhausting. I don't know. Yeah, but I'm surprised that they didn't have even more names for it because it felt mm-hmm. like i wonder if i wonder if those terms were common terms or if like that's the first kind of time like i wonder if choking the chicken feels like it was kind of common but flogging the dolphin flogging i don't know the dolphin. <laughs> yeah i feel like they might have made a couple up right. just for that sequence um but yeah we get the famous come scene yeah where where stiller lets his load loose and then goes to clean it up can't find it there's a knock on the door mary mary's at the door hey what's that on your ear hair gel 
and takes it and swipes her hair. Gross. Super gross. Yeah. But, I mean, somewhat funny. I I was surprised that the cum made her hair look like a sperm. Right. <laughs> like a tail, the of, a tail sp- of a sperm. I didn't catch that. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but, I don't know. This time around, it wasn't... Maybe we've just been shocked so much more... We've been shocked so much more since that scene. It like has none of the like like, reaction from me that it did in the past. And there's something sort of cute and adorable about that cut of like her grabbing the gross load from his ear and then like swiping it through her hair and then cut to her hair just sticking up like that. It's... (laughs) I don't know. They like, yeah. There's something about Mary. No, there's something <laughs> about this movie that it it really it really knows how to cut to a joke. Oh yeah, no, they they use the editing perfectly. Um, yes. So then we go on some dates with Ted, and we kind of get the complete opposite of Healy. Where right. those dates were kind of disasters and and full of Healy being Healy. Whereas Ted, um, Ted just is like effortlessly flirting with Mary. Right. And they get along together really great. They go out for corn dogs. They talk about meat on a stick yeah. and in a cone. Um, that was funny. Um And then while Ted is having the perfect date with Mary, we get more information on Tucker, which Mm -hmm. is he's a pizza delivery boy. Norm. Norm, who is in love with Mary ever since the first time he saw her. They go to the bar uh, and he's like, even at the bar, he's reviled and hated. And um, but it turns out, yeah, he's just a normal guy who's infatuated with Mary. Just another Mary stalker. Yep. Uh, And then in order to mess up the plan, instead of giving the dog sleeping pills, right, to Mm -hmm. calm the dog, Healy's idea is to give the dog speed to make the dog super ramped up, super aggressive, and I love that part where he's like, "This, you know, do you think this is too many? We're not going to kill the dog. He's like, I never said that. Great little <laughs> joke. <laughs> I never said that. Um, I like that. And I like that Magda also got the speed. Got too. the speed, right. So then, yeah. So then we come home from the date and Magda is in full-on speed mode. The dog is in full-on speed mode. Um, and the dog and Ted have like a, like, you like MMA, Here's a straight up oh, they have a, brawl. They have a brawl. Um, not only do I like MMA, I'm what they like to call a just bleeder. I like I like the fights that really like I don't like brawlers necessarily. I think that a skilled fighter is always better to watch, but yeah, like it gets into this just This is a throwdown. This was a just bleed throwdown <laughs> between Ted and Puffy, or really Puffy the puppet. Because no, I hope no animals were harmed right. in the making of no, this movie. No, it's like, it's, I don't know, something about fake animals 
being wrestled, it always looks bad. But in this movie, because it's so cartoony and because they kind of like don't try to make it look realistic, it looks good. I think it's funny because it doesn't look realistic. If yeah. it looked realistic, it wouldn't be hilarious at all. Right. Um, but yeah, like he, he, yeah, that's a really great fight scene. Yeah. I liked uh, when he goes to open the bathroom and yeah. like you can hear the dog throwing its body right. against the door. And he's like, what kind what of kind dog of... is he? Yeah. Oh, he's like Benji. He's a terrier. Yeah. Like oh. Benji. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. I thought that was great. Uh, so then we we get the dog in the cast, which is of course a great little joke. Um, but then very quickly into the like this movie kind of spirals into its third act super quick. Oh, it goes real fast because everything that happens from here on out is like bam, 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 bam. We get the Pat Healy letter. Which is Mary finds out that Ted hired Pat, which I feel like could be resolved in this kind of simple conversation. Mm -hmm. But at this point, because that's like my biggest pet peeve is when misunderstandings can be resolved in one line of dialogue. Yeah. But but I feel like in this movie, it's like Ted does kind of dig himself into enough of a hole and Healy is enough of a scumbag where it would take more of a conversation instead of a simple line of dialogue. So I feel like when when she kicks him out and kind of throws him out and decides she's done with him, it does feel kind of justified and it doesn't feel quite... I don't feel as bad for Ted. Yeah, no, he did do something really wrong. And I mean, although Pat isn't a killer, he still introduced the scumbag into Mary's life by having him look for her. And then we know that she's been stalked in the past, too, and had to change her name. Yeah. So it is... I mean, he didn't... It's not like he set Pat on her. Like, it's not like... He didn't know that Healy was that much of a scumbag. Right. So I feel like he's still in the clear. And obviously at the end of the day, Mary ends up with him. So, But um, yeah, I don't know. It just What if, about if, Brett Favre? Favre. <laughs> um, so then Ted goes to Sully's apartment where Healy's staying. And, um, and it's sort of like an everyone loves Mary situation. Norm and Healy come back. And Ted confronts them, and there's basically, they all three are kind of like fighting over who should be with Mary and who loves her the most. Mm -hmm. And there's the great joke of like, Healy thinks that the snake ate the dog, but then really the snake ate Sully. And so then we get to Dom. Dom mm-hmm. is stealing Mary's shoes. Because Dom is actually Woogie. Whoa, plot twist. Yeah, Wooganowski, come on. That was a great, that's a great line too of like, yeah. when we find out Dom's last name is Wooganowski, it's like, yeah, it should have been obvious. Right, and I mean, what an ultimate stalker move to befriend your ex-girlfriend's other... Well, they didn't even get, they barely even got to date, but from Woogie's perspective, Ted stole Mary. Right. (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, that's the ultimate stalker move is is befriending people in your stalkies life. Yeah. So and Dom a, is a plus um, stalking from Dom. Yeah, and Dom is in full on crazy mode. He's got his hives broken out and like. Have you ever gotten hives? Mm-mm. I have. It's pretty extreme. Like I, I they didn't look like as pustuly as his apparently do but yeah getting hives sucks yeah the one on his eyeball is yeah that, that looked like a cyst yeah that's a hives are a little bit different and i couldn't imagine the makeup all that eye makeup that he had to get the hives like it looked so real it oh looked yeah gross. It, it really looked like he had like a cyst it, yeah it was awful but yeah i thought again amazing uh acting from chris oh, elliott so great <laughs> chris elliott full-on crazy mode then uh he starts to kind of wrestle shoes away from mary and mary starts yelling norm and healy are spying on mary of course so they run rush in to stop woogie from being woogie and Mary has to then confront Tucker about how Tucker is not really Tucker and Norm comes clean. And then Ted comes back and then they have a whole big everyone's fighting over Mary scene. Well, yeah, the other guys are like, you have to choose between us. Right. Which is so silly because it's like none of you <laughs> are it's, good. It's great because that's this typical scene that you would expect but it's it's great because mary's kind of like no no all of you are awful and then yeah and then brett Favre comes in with um with warren on his back and brett Favre is the brett that they keep talking about and it's so funny when you go back, like the first time you watch this movie, if you don't know the joke, when you go back all the all the times they mention Brett. To Brett yeah, yeah, it's like he's the big corn fed dummy and he um, or the big corn fed hunk and he lives up north and he's a sports guy. Who did he play for? Green Bay Packers. Oh, okay. And um, so it's just funny how like it's so obvious. Like, it's so <laughs> obvious. But Brett, I don't know. There's just something about the name. I mean, Brett Favre is two T's. I'm a one T Brett myself. Uh-huh. So it's not quite the same. You know, I'm a, I'm a one O more, too. There's yes. a lot of two O mores. Um, but yeah, we're part of the, the one letter gang. Yeah. Represent. Represent. Um, so Brett Favre is super into Mary still. He shows up with Warren, and uh, and he's basically there to get Mary back. And he's the one that Mary should be with, right? Because right. he's perfect for her, and and she's perfect for him. And Warren loves him, and he likes Warren. But on the way out, Ted says goodbye to Warren and lifts the. Uh, headphones off mm-hmm. of Warren's ear and says goodbye and of course Warren only lets people touch his ears if you really trust them and he trusts Ted right so on the way out um I I think it's a great fake out because he's sobbing like a little baby I love that so much because he tries to look right. so cool when he's like he's the one who really should be with you Mary right and they're like you're gonna tell us you don't love this girl I don't Right. Yeah, like, and then he's sobbing. It's and then, so yeah, great. he leaves on such a high note, but then once he's alone, he's sobbing like a little baby. 
And um, but then the song starts playing. I love the song, and it's so great because it feels like Mary ending Mary ending up with Brett Favre. It's not like just some Brett. She's back with her old boyfriend. <laughs> um, it's just so funny. And then, of course, Mary comes back for Ted, and they end up together. And as they're kissing, the old fisherman guy who slept with Magda was only sleeping with Magda to get to Mary <laughs> and shoots the, the singer. And I thought the movie that was ends. great. Yeah, I thought that it's a was nice little, little tag on the movie. I felt like uh, the Mary's line... Don't you remember? I'm a Niners fan. Is oh, such yeah. a like a guy wrote this line right. wanting a woman to say it. Like yeah. I don't know who the Niners fan is and the Farley brothers. Maybe both of them. But like they're like ah uh, right Niners fan. I liked um I liked the post credit sequence too. The build me up Buttercup. Yeah, I why that was so cute. Why don't more movies do that? Oh, that was so cute and fun. I especially liked it when, um, so you had the, when uh, Dom finds out that Ted was arrested because he's watching TV Mm -hmm. while his wife is bullying him. And then in the credit sequence, um, she's on the couch and he's blowing her. I thought that was cute and funny. Yeah. It's a nice little reversal. And she like, she treats him like he treated her. She pushes his head down. You know, equal opportunity. But yeah, I thought like the yeah. the build me up Buttercup scene was hilarious, and then they do it with the guys at the rest stop. And yeah, it's. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why more movies don't show outtakes or do like a musical number at the end. Yeah, I, like I honestly just don't understand why that's not a thing. Me neither. And I thought it was just so fun and cute. Like, um, do you think to film that they just had them sing that song in every location and then just cut it all together again? Yeah. How many times did they have to sing that song, you think? Probably a dozen and a half. Hmm. I feel like I wonder if that would be something fun, like you're ending the day right. of work and you're like, it's buttercup time. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. there's got to be things like you're on a comedy set. Do like, you know, do silly things. Yes. Do I mean, Ben Stiller, I said, isn't my favorite comedian, but he did do. Um, I remember watching the HBO special feature. You know, this is before the realm of, like, internet TV. Mm -hmm. I wanted to watch something on HBO. So before, like, in between movies, they would always show, like, HBO First Looks. Right, right. Inside, I think it was called Inside Looks. And it was the director for Night at the Museum talking about how Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson had to work on this scene together with some other actor or something. And... Most of this, most of the movie was improv or whatever. Right. But he kept saying how this one scene just wasn't working, so they kept rewriting the scene and rewriting the scene and rewriting the scene and rewriting the scene, and they even had to like take the whole day off and come back to it the next day because the scene just was not working, and they couldn't find where they were coming from or something, and then finally they wrote the scene, and they got everything perfect, and then they went to film it, and they used. None of what they wrote. They improv the whole scene. But they had to have... Like, you can't just improv something and make it good. You have to already be starting from a good 
place. Right. The process is important. And make yeah. it, right. So, I mean, Ben Stiller, I don't know. It seems like he's a smart, funny guy. And it seems like the Fairly brothers are smart, funny people. And it seems like if you're going to make a comedy, just have a good time. Like that sort of comedy is contagious. The energy is contagious. It right. really feels like everyone on this movie was having a good time. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I, again, that's what I like about it is like the warmth of it mm-hmm. too. Whereas like I think sometimes like smart and funny can combine to be really cold and cynical or like dark whereas like this movie is just very light and fun um and that's something that i i appreciate yeah uh if it's going to be funny and intelligent i agree yeah so i'm really curious though to hear oh what this horror version is how you're gonna turn this around okay i decided that if there's a horror version of this movie, I've decided to make it a zombie movie. Whoa. Yes. I I just I don't know why I thought that Z Day was really going to enhance this plot. But so I decided to call it There's Something Wrong with Mary. Okay. Um, yeah. Not not too original. No, no. Um, but still, uh, so first act, Ted still can't get over Mary his date to the senior prom, and he still hires a PI to find Mary based on Dom's suggestion. Um, Pat does find Mary, um, and he also does the same thing of lying to Ted so that he can have her for himself. Um, Pat and Mary start dating, but then Pat starts to notice some weird shit about Mary that he didn't before. Like Mary doesn't eat anything um, Hmm. in front of him. And then it all goes to hell when he finds Mary's severed ear in the sink and then witnesses Mary reattach her ear and then she grabs a foot from the fridge and starts munching on it. Whoa. So Mary is an intelligent zombie. Um, And then at the end of the first act, she figures that she's been found out and she eats Pat. Good. Good. Um, So then Ted learns that Pat moved to Miami um, and that Mary is still hot. So he decides to take the road trip to Florida to see her. But this being the onset of a zombie outbreak, uh, as Ted gets closer to Miami, the zombie outbreak intensifies and Ted basically has to road trip his way through the undead to get to Mary, uh, and he's, you know, feels compelled to keep going because he wants to save her, Mm -hmm. not knowing the truth. So then we get to, after the road trip portion, where, like, you know, maybe he runs into zombie Harlan James or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So Act 3, Miami is just teeming with zombies at this point. Whoa. Uh, And Ted does some investigative work to retrace Pat's steps, and he finds out where Mary uh, lives, uh, but it's surrounded by zombies. And in the climactic action scene, uh, Ted has to go through, you know, Tower of Death style and face off against these zombies, like, 
Warren, of course, is like a super strong zombie. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has to like fight through him. He has to fight through like Tucker too. Maybe Tucker's like a like a zombie invertebrate zombie. Maybe he's like a four legged zombie. Hell yeah, crawling around and stuff. Um, But yeah, like doing the spider walk. Yeah, doing a spider walk. Like upside down. Yeah, like on the wall. Like it's. I'm just talking like full. Resident Evil, zombie, zombie everything. Um, And so then uh, Ted, after battling through Mary's army of the undead, he finally gets to Mary, who then turns around and goes right through, right for his throat with her zombie chompers. So it does have a bummer ending. He gets to Mary, but... You know, he ends up getting eaten. I'm shocked. <laughs> You're just gonna end the movie with Ted dead. I, I maybe I could have thought of something more satisfying, <laughs> but I, I just was like, I just want nope. Mary to be Shocker. queen of the zombies. It's uh, I mean, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but Drag Me to Hell has just a great ending. That's just like, nope, fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, I I love that movie so yeah, much. We Justin Long. We've yeah, Justin Long is great in that movie. We've talked about Drag Me to Hell quite a bit. I yeah. know that that's a mutual mutual it's love so for good. us. It's so good. <laughs> and uh, they kill a cat in that movie. They do, and it's still a great movie. They do a really cute cat too. Yeah. Um, that's the only reason why um, my brother is also a fan of that movie. He wants to show it to his wife, but he won't because of the cat getting killed well, in the movie. It does should get killed off screen. That, yes. He should know that Sonia, my wife, is a huge cat person. I mean, we have three cats at home. Mm-hmm. Um, Sonia is a huge cat person, and Sonia loves animals of all shapes and sizes. This is true. And I explicitly told her that there was going to be a cat death in this movie when we were going to watch it. And she was not looking forward to that. But despite all of that, she even thought it was a great movie. Oh. It's such a likable movie. So cat lovers, you can handle yeah. it. You it's can a, handle it's it. It's a fine cat death. I, I I really also like that it's lampshaded by the hang in there poster. Yeah. Oh, poor kitty. <laughs> no, I'm sad. Um, yes. Yes, that was very sad. At least, you know, Puffy doesn't die. Right. Puffy just gets the full body cast. <laughs> yeah, he just gets extremely, <laughs> extremely hurt. Um, so tell me, what was your horror pitch for Mary? Oh, boy. Mine is going to be called Hashtag Stalker. Ooh, Hashtag Stalker. Uh, This is in a world where Ted plays kind of like a nobody who wants to be a somebody. Mm -hmm. And he also wants to be a serial killer. Oh, really? Yep. Ted's got the serial killer bug. So he goes online and he finds this like subreddit group, this sort of like uh anonymous type group full of killers and 8chan yes 8chan so he goes on to 8chan and he fits right in and in order to like they have like uh, uh initiation killings right just like if you want to be part of a gang you gotta have initiation killing right so it's like they give you a randomized like you know the sex dice 
where it's like feet, mouth. Like, yes. whoa. They give you like a randomized killing where, you know, he's like, he's got to use a meat hook and kill someone by stabbing them in their left eye. Whoa. That takes some precision. I know. And so he, the first act is him kind of like his daily life and what he does, you know, for his day job and stuff. But then his secret nightlife where he goes online and he's like, he's typing with like, what's the best way to dismember a body? You know, he's like on this like serial killer chat room. Um, and then uh, in or like once he gets to be a part of the gang, it's like different levels. Right. You know, and he doesn't, he, you know, most people just settle for being in the gang, but he wants to be like the top person in the, in the thing so he enters make those leaderboards yes make the leaderboard baby uh so he enters the game of they call it like the merry game let's say where they 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 publicly post on the website they want this person mary dead by and they give a you know they give a date and they give a stipulation so one of the stipulations for Mary is it has to look like an accident. Mm. And if the person gets caught or whatever, then they're out of the group. So, and I don't know what the stipulation is. Like, let's say it's like by fire or by gunshot or something. Um, and here's the thing, though. The longer it takes for that person to kill Mary, the more stipulations they put on it. So the harder the challenge gets. Okay. So it's like you have two weeks to kill Mary by fire and make it look like an accident. And after two weeks, you have to kill Mary by fire and it has to be, you know, like within a certain time slot or it has to be in a certain location. So so it's a really cool idea of like the longer it takes him to stalk her, the harder it's going to get. Mm. So he starts stalking her and then while he's stalking her, he sees a group of people tailing him. Oh. Whoa. So then he thinks it's the cops, right? And that's no bueno because if he gets caught by the cops, he's out. So he has to stalk the cops who are stalking him. And he finds out it's not cops at all. It's other serial killers who are trying to kill Mary because Ted doesn't have... Ted doesn't have... The specific, it's not like the initiation killing where they're like, hey, you know, hey, Shira, go kill this guy. And then you can be part of the group. This is a public type thing. So whoever kills Mary, it's like an exclusive bragging right. So it's like the purge, but with one person? How do you mean? Like the purge, like purge night, everyone gets to kill everyone. But in this, in this Scenario, right, but in this one, it's also to, secretive. Oh, but it's a secret conspiracy. Right, so it's not like, you know, you have to be part of the serial killer of 8chan, which is a secret mm-hmm. 8chan, in order to get the information. The thing is, I don't know how we're going to do it, but Ted thinks he's the only one stalking her. Like, maybe he gets an email ah. saying, like, your next victim is Mary. But what he doesn't realize is that that same email has been blasted to, like, everyone in the group and whoever kills mary first gets secret access to like the platinum club or whatever you know the crimson club where all the real killers hang out uh so he starts stalking the stalkers and mary 
So it's a cool thing where like the more he stalks the stalkers, the more information he learns about Mary because the more they've stalked Mary, right? Mm. So it's like he goes inside their car and flips open their notebook and it's like, oh, Mary always has gym class. But, and he would know that. But, you know, <laughs> other information or whatever. Right. So then the third act is when all hell breaks loose and we get the killer comes in. And the killer is a heavily armed maniac who hunts the other killers. Oh, yeah. Because he's he's not in it for the Crimson Club. He's just in it for the thrill of the kill. Uh-huh. And he's, a, he's like... And he likes a good hard kill. Right. So he's kind of like... He's not Dexter because Dexter had this like self-righteous... He had his I, mean, I only watched one episode of Dexter. But... Yeah, he's got like a coat. This killer is more like the plague from um, Hobo with a Shotgun. Okay. Where it's like, you know, he's he's all like meddled out and, you know, he's like, you know, he's kind of like the bikers from Mandy. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, yeah. He's like a, he's, or the biker from Raising Arizona. Or the biker from Raising Arizona. Yeah. Um, so he wants to kill the other killers so then it becomes this crazy chase of like him just slaughtering these killers and ted kind of gets mixed up in that because he's stalking the killers so then the killer comes after him but ted is in close proximity to mary and ted's really good at escaping from the killer so the killer is like fine if i can't get ted i'm gonna get mary because then ted will come to me right so then the killer goes after mary and then mary had or Ted has to save Mary to kill her to kill her but by saving Mary and killing the killer he also gets killed oh no so it's like he wins but the the metal guy maybe he's got like a predator self-destruct type thing or something <laughs> and and so in by killing him to save Mary he's killed and then Mary's just left in this like room she's probably covered in blood um, and she's like, what is going on? But she lives. Uh, and she like walks out of the room all bloody. And she's like, that's crazy. And it ends on a happy note. I'm glad, or not glad, but I find it interesting that neither of us decided to kill Mary for our horror. Yeah, that is interesting. We we decided the, to keep yeah, her alive. The final girl. The final girl. She is a final That's girl. That's not what the final girl is, though. No. I <laughs> the mean... final girl isn't <laughs> someone who just... <laughs> yeah, I don't well, know. Well, I mean, it's not technically and not technically. Technically, yeah. but not. <laughs> yes, but no. Yes, but no. Yeah. I I like it. I like I, I like how different we decided to be. Yeah. I went zombies. You went serial killers. Yeah. I like it. This is this movie is kind of a combination of I saw the devil, which I love because in that movie everyone turns out to be a killer. Right. And it's fucking great. And like everyone's got their own little serial killer gimmick, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Um but um, it's a combination of that and uh, what's that movie that we just watched? The Hitcher. Ah. I was thinking of The Hitcher because I was thinking like every 20 minutes there has to be some new piece Somebody of information has, yeah. or twist or escalation. Right. I thought The Hitcher was great. I'm still thinking about that movie. I enjoyed The Hitcher. The only thing that made me upset was the fact that 
Jennifer Jason Lee had to die gets for uh, C. Thomas. She just gets ripped in half for C. Thomas Howell's character development. Yeah, but what a twist. It. I mean, they went there. What a scene. It was a good scene. Yeah. It was a good scene. And I I like that they, they actually right. went there. Um, but yeah, another woman dying for plot development. Is, <laughs> I Can't mean, win them all. But then we got the husband who died for plot development in The Descent, which was yeah. pleasant for me. Um, yeah, no, I, I like that a lot. So tell me, who would you kill from There's Something About Mary? You know, the person I would probably kill, I'd probably go Tucker. You would kill Tucker? Yeah. Really? Just... He, he messed everything up multiple times. And he did pretend to be disabled, which is right. highly, highly unethical. I mean, I had more fun with Healy's sleaziness than I did with Tucker's sleaziness. Right. Tucker was legitimately sabotaging right. the good relationships yeah. in Mary's life to give himself an in. Yes. Um, that's interesting. Um, yeah. Why? Who would you kill? Who would I kill? Um, it's hard to say. I don't want to kill Pat or Ted or even Tucker. I might kill Dom. Um. And you know why I didn't kill Dom, though? Why? It's because I really like Chris Elliott. I like Chris Elliott, <laughs> too. I even like Cabin Boy, which nobody uh, yeah. likes that movie. No. You don't like that movie, I can tell from your face. I think Cabin it's, Boy's hilarious. Yeah, I'll have to rewatch it. I think I, I think the only time I saw it, which doesn't count, was on TV, Comedy Central. Yeah, it was on TV Comedy Central yeah. a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe Dom, um, maybe Magda, just because if oh, I yeah, were... Magda. If I were Mary, I would be frustrated with Magda That's over a good choice. all the time. Yes. Um, all the time. they Because they're next-door neighbors. They're not yeah. even roommates, but Magda is always in that apartment. It, essentially a roommate. Yeah, essentially a roommate. But yeah, Magda or Dom, probably. Gotcha. That's a good choice. All right. Is it time for Love Bites? Love Bites, baby. Love Bites. What's your Love Bite for this week? Oh, it's a video game called Slay the Spire. Wait, Slay the what? The Spire. Slay the Spire. Right. Um, And it's a roguelike, which means that the game is very short. You can beat it in one sitting. But the game is super duper hard and actively trying to kill you every single chance it gets. Is it a side scroller? No. It's a a dungeon crawling deck building card game. Okay, okay. It's a fantasy game and you'll notice a lot of fantasy tropes, but all of the characters look really unique and different okay that so sounds it's really like cool. it's got this really cool twist on it where yeah yeah i've been watching a lot of people play the game on twitch <laughs> and it's like it's just really interesting to watch other people play the game because i'm like clearly this card's the best card that you should pick and they're like no i'm gonna go with this card and here's why and i'm like oh yeah that's yeah a, that's a better reason why but these people <laughs> are playing the game at such a meta level 
where they're thinking 20 steps ahead where I'm still like they're thinking about the final boss's fourth turn yeah on act one whereas I'm thinking about can I even just beat the boss in act one like I don't know right right so it's really cool watching people who are good at the game play the game is like an art form it's like MMA before I realized what mma was i was like well that's stupid this is boring to watch and then once i actually watched mma with someone who did it and they explained it to me like the judo aspect and the ground game yeah yeah i was like oh this game's or this sport is really complicated oh it totally is and i felt the same way when i started watching where like i just wanted to watch strikers like i didn't really appreciate like the wrestling or jujitsu, but right. like it's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's just like NASCAR. If you're not into NASCAR, NASCAR is the most boring thing to watch. Right. But if you're into that game of attrition and you know, like I don't know what I would call it, and not accuracy, but mm. I don't know, like precision. precision. Yeah. yeah, if you're into that precision and attrition, it's like oh shit, NASCAR is super interesting. Because right. there's so many things going on, but I'm not into it, so it's boring. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I hear that. I totally hear that. No, this game sounds not boring at all. It sounds awesome. Yeah. I don't know how much it is. I think I bought it for 25 but it's also on Switch. Oh, yeah. And I know that some people have Switches. I have a Switch. Whoa. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> um, uh, so how about you? What's your love bite? So I got a couple of bites this week. Um, number one is the movie Laura from 1944. Have you ever seen Laura? I don't know. I chose Laura because the theme of this week is stalkers. Laura is also a movie about stalkers. And like Mary, Laura has a collection of people around her who are obsessed with her. Uh And so the movie starts off. Laura's been murdered, and this PI, or not a PI, he's a, a cop, is investigating her murder and talking to everyone she knows. And so he starts to get impressions about what kind of woman Laura was from the people in her life. And then oh. figuring out who among them could be the killer. This sounds good. It's a really great movie, and that's just the opening premise. It right. has a lot of really fun reversals. Right. Like where the movie ends up going is actually not that predictable, even though it's from 1944. And then it was directed by Otto Preminger, okay. who is a really great uh, director from that era. So, again, if you want to see a black and white film that is dirty, is catty, like I, I feel like people have this mistaken notion that old movies are all wholesome, you right. know, and that's not true at all. Like the people in Laura are always throwing out these insinuating lines. Like I think that you just kind of like how Southern people insult each other by giving targeted compliments that are actually mean it's similar in old movies like people will say things or suggest things but they just don't do it in as direct a way as we do uh nowadays and so i just i really think that if you if you're the kind of person who's like i don't like old movies 
try watching this one. Right. Because it's really good and, and it's just great. Like, again, it's probably my favorite noir of all time. Whoa. It's, it's a great movie. Uh, and so that's uh, my first recommendation. That is kind of a thriller. Um, my second recommendation is a stalker love story. Uh, there is a book called Attachments by Rainbow Rowell. And funnily enough, like you were saying, anytime it's a stalker romance, it's going to be from the perspective of the stalker. And that's the case here. Uh, it takes place in 1999, right uh, on the eve of Y2K. Hmm. And this guy is, uh, he does IT for a newspaper and part of his job is to read the emails that make it through the um, the warning filter. So if you work at a job where you use email, it's very likely that your emails are being monitored by the company that you work for, especially mm-hmm. if there's content in those emails that they deem to be, you know, bad or or risky. So these two female uh, reporters, their emails keep coming up in the folder, um, but instead of reporting them, the guy, Lincoln, he keeps reading them, and he ends up falling in love with one of the girls through reading her emails. And it's actually, I think it's a really sweet story, (laughs) even though he he does stalk her because he's reading her emails. Uh, and he does some stuff later that is more on par with real stalking. Um, like he goes to one of her boyfriend's shows, like he's a, a like a like he has a band, right? Um, and he goes to see them play. Um, but the the book is it has like a very sweet tone, and then I think like we were very much there for 1999, and so some of the cultural references because. Uh, the girl he falls in love with is a movie reviewer for the newspaper. And so she'll mention the movies that she's going to go mm-hmm. see, like Fight Club and oh, yeah. stuff like that. And so it's very much oriented in that time and right. place in a way that feels very comforting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I enjoyed the book a lot. I listened to it on audiobooks. So if you're not someone who wants to to read a book who would rather listen to it i think the audiobook is is good too and i would recommend it when did it come out uh attachments it came out in the 2000s like i think it came out in like 2016 or something okay. like that so kind of so recently somewhat recently but not too too recent right. yeah right. Hmm. that sounds interesting yeah i mean it's again it's it's a love story yeah with stalking <laughs> But I, I think that it handles that aspect really well. And, and I like kind of the setup of being an IT guy for a newspaper and then reading these emails yeah. and being kind of like a third party to, you know, like in the women, you're in the world of the women. Right. Whereas like this is he's kind of getting like a a third person view of what it's like when two women just talk to each other. Hmm. That sounds interesting. I liked it. It's a good yeah. book. Hmm. All right then. Okay. Okay. Well, until next time. 
Have a good time. Have a good time. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Necromancer is produced by Brett Dorman and Shira Moore. The theme song is Symphonia 3 by Kevin McLeod on the album Oddities.